Good day to you. We are ready to read chapter 13 in the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, in our last reading, we had read chapter 12, and at the end of chapter 12, Herod had died uh, in a pretty yucky way, <laughs> as he was eaten by worms and breathed his last, and I don't really want to envision that. But Barnabas and Saul also returned from Jerusalem, where they had completed their service of, of taking the, uh, the, uh, the donation or the funds to help others. Um, so they had done that. If you'll remember, let me flip back over here real fast. Um, Antioch had sent the congregation or church in Antioch, the believers. I'm not even sure if they were calling it a church at this time. Yeah, they did call it the church. Okay, that's great. All right, so anyway, they had sent a collection with uh, Barnabas and Saul to the believers in Judea. Uh, that would be, I guess, in and around Jerusalem to help them in a time of famine. Okay, so and here Barnabas and Saul had returned from Jerusalem at the end of the previous chapter, chapter 12. So now we're ready for chapter 13 in which more is going to occur with Barnabas and Saul. So let me just start here. Now there were... <clears throat> let me start that again, I apologize. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Okay, so let's look at this again. There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now, that is one, two, three, four, five people, right? And these were prophets and teachers. Now, the way they've listed it, it makes you kind of think that maybe Saul was more of a teacher at this point, and Barnabas was maybe a prophet. That's just if you go in that order. Maybe that's not intended to be taken that way. Nonetheless, there were five people here. And um, the Lord is saying, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Setting two pulling two people out of, that, out of that five. So they, they were going to leave three people there, basically, to continue to teach and, uh, and handle the church there at Antioch. Sounds reasonable. I don't know that you would have to have five. Three would make a pretty good number. Anyway, so then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was the proconsul Sergius Paulus. No, 
I, I misread that. I do so very apologize, please. Uh, verse 7, he was with the proconsul, or proconsul, depending on how you say that, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul, and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, I guess that's the meaning of Bargesus is Elymas. I'm, I'm not, since I don't know the different things these mean, I don't get the uh, significance of that. Okay, but anyway, so Elymas the magician opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. He didn't want them to believe. Of course, if he's a magician, you know, he's a Jewish false prophet. Of course, he doesn't want this guy to know. But Saul, who was also called Paul, so Saul was being called Paul at this time, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. So see, signs and miracles accompanied them to prove that they were from God. Now pardon me just a moment, I'm a little dry. Now I want to make sure that we pointed out though, Paul, who was blinded and knew what it was like to be temporarily blinded, and given a chance to really, let's say, think over your activities and think over, you know, well, what am I doing? How am I in the wrong? And just given a chance to be blind and have to rethink things. Paul knew all about that. And notice that that is what he says here, you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. I really believe he was just trying to change his mind and get him to change his ways. If you think about it, because he had gone through a similar thing, a lot of times we think, well, that worked for me, that helped me, maybe that will help this person, and maybe it will. Or maybe that came from the Lord because the Lord knew that would help that person just like it helped Paul. I just think it's interesting that... Um, This, this magician was also made blind for a time. And maybe that helped, you know, convert him and got him to change his way of thinking and the way of doing. Possibly. Let's move on. It might even say something about it, but I, I don't remember it doing that. I have read this before, and I don't remember it uh, mentioning that. But it's a thought, you know. Anyway... <clears throat> the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paph Paphos and came to Perga in Pam Pamphylia. Pamphylia. We're going to go with Pamphylia? Bear with me. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now John left them at this point and went back to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. 
I believe this is a different Antioch. I think that's what the point we're trying to make. Um, so, but now John, who did journey with them this far, had left. And this, I think this comes up later. So, when we get to that point, I'll try to remember to point that out. That John had, for whatever reason, gone back. And I don't see any reason mentioned. Just that he went. Um, just that he had uh, gone back for... And there's probably some reason that we just don't know what it was. But John left them and returned to Jerusalem for some reason. Alright. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue. Now this is in Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the Law and the Prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and, motioning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people, people great during their stay in the land of Egypt, and... With uplifted arm, he led them out of it. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. Now, some some things say he carried them through the wilderness or, you know, took care of them in the wilderness, which is also true. But you can see this both ways. Not only did God carry them and help them and take care of them in the wilderness but he also put up with them and tolerated them because we know that just like ourselves they were not the most faithful of people they did wrong things they got tired of you know they wanted to go back to Egypt at one point maybe probably multiple points anyway you know they had complaints and grumblings and and it's the same thing as I mean we are the same I mean there's not uh, thousands of years later there's really not any difference okay we're still people um, so he did put up with them so it's right both ways in my opinion and after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. All this took about 450 years. And after that, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, who will do all my will. Of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, What do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Now here he's speaking of John the Baptist. So that was about John the Baptist, how John had came. Because John was considered a prophet and, and was well known. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterance of the prophets, utterances of the prophets, 
which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. Which is true. Because they did not recognize or they refused to recognize and understand the prophecies and how Jesus was the Messiah. They fulfilled the prophecy. That may sound crazy, but it's true. They fulfilled the prophecy in not understanding and in really not believing, you know. So that's just the way it is. They, uh, and, and some who did believe or some who did, under, did understand or had a chance to, they, I think out of fear, they did not do anything. Okay, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. Now that's true. It says, you know, early on in the book of Acts, I think maybe the first chapter, it said that he appeared to them over a period of time. Was it 40 or 80 days? Let me back up for a minute, because he appeared to them over a course of time, 40 days. Yep, and, t and telling them about the kingdom of God. Teaching them more. There's no detail given about that, so there just isn't. And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus, as also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And that is in the second psalm. Let's see if I can find the right thing here. Psalm chapter 2, or, or, or the second psalm, I'm sorry. I do call it by chapter a lot of times. Chapter 2, verse 7. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Now that's in Isaiah 55, chapter 55, verse 3. I am looking at the cross-reference here. Um, therefore, he says also in another psalm, you will not let your Holy One see corruption. Now that is in Psalm 16, verse 10. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. In this sense, this corruption appears to be, you know, his body decayed and died away, you know, like, like we do, we decay and die and go back to the earth and all that. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption, that being Jesus. Jesus has his body. There, his body did not decay or become corrupt in this case. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him... Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So, you're freed from, from sin and from death and from, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a spiritual freedom, but that counts more than for so much, you know, so much more than other stuff. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. 
Now this is from Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Look you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. So, and now this, again, this was Paul speaking to these um, leaders here in the synagogue, or actually the whole synagogue, so I guess it's everyone. And he's teaching them about Jesus. Let's see, and that uh, through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. By him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. So... Um, okay, so continuing on, as they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. Well, that sounds great. The next Sabbath... Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us, saying... Now this is from Isaiah 49, chapter 49, verse 6. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Well, of course, to save the earth, everyone to give everyone a chance at salvation, it had to go to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard this... They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed, and the word of the Lord was spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook the dust off... No... They shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So here, the Jews, and in this case it means like the leaders, the leaders of the synagogue, they, you know, they were turned against Paul and Barnabas, and it says why. It says they, uh, oh, let's back it up. Well, I went back too many pages. Give me just a second. I, I want to say it the way it said it. Um, they were filled with jealousy. So because they were jealous, because Paul and Barnabas were popular and were doing a good job, you know. And then, because they did reject the teachings and they were trying to get the people to also reject Jesus, the gospel, the teachings that they were teaching, which is a horrible way to say that, but the lessons they were teaching. Um, because of that, you notice they say, you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, in denying 
Jesus in denying the gospel, in pushing that away, you're saying that you are unworthy of eternal life. When you say there is no eternal life, when you say there is nothing, then you're saying you're not worthy. I will say this, I'm not worthy, but I'm thankful and grateful for it, and I accept it. And I think that's what we should all do. Um, I would hope and pray that we all do. But, uh, but here, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, because you're turning it away. It is a free gift of God, and you're turning it away. So, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. And so here again, the word had to be brought, the, the message had to be brought, it had to be given to the Jews first, because they were the chosen people first, and they were to get the word and be given a chance. And, um, of course, they are still, just like anyone else, they all have the chance, and they have the uh, ability to, uh, ex to accept Jesus and be saved and you know, be baptized and be saved through through Jesus, and uh, we all have that option as people. There is no specific um, group of people that that is better or has it better or you know that is special. Um, it is Christians in the body of Christ in the church. Jesus is church. It doesn't matter. All the little man-made club names don't matter. Um, that's what matters, is, is that we are baptized into Jesus in the body of Christ and that we are a part of his number. And then, then we have to stay faithful. We have to keep trying every day. I mean, it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect and we're not going to make mistakes. I, I don't want anybody to think that. We're all going to make mistakes, but we have to try. Every day we have to try. We have to study our Bible. We have to pray. Um, even if that prayer is just asking for forgiveness and asking to help you do better. That's something, okay? That is something, and that's helpful. And uh, God does forgive us. He's very quick and faithful to forgive us. So, all right. I don't want to get off on more of a tangent there, but I think that's important. I think that's extremely important. So... That was chapter, what chapter was that? Was that chapter 13? I think that was chapter 13. Yes, it was. That was chapter 13. So, um, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, God loves you.